This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, technology that gives paraplegics the ability to walk again. Exoskeletons are devices that allow an individual who is paralyzed to be mobile again. Today's real Iron Men and Women when Radio Health Journal returns. Here's something you may not have considered when you visit the dentist. Your mouth is the gateway to the body. It's where germs enter. Saliva and other material from the mouths of dozens of patients per day builds up inside the vacuum tube and saliva ejection valve. And Dr. Jerry Cohen, clinical assistant professor at a dental school in the Midwest, says if backflow occurs in the saliva ejection valve, it may expose patients to dangerous infectious material. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, backflow occurs in about one in five patients who close their lips around a saliva evacuator tip, pulling liquid and any germs left behind by the last patient back into a person's mouth. That's why Dove backflow prevention valves from Stoma Dental are a critical technology to prevent cross-contamination. The new disposable Dove backflow prevention valve from Stoma Dental is a one-way valve that prevents backflow and eliminates cross-contamination between patients. Dentists can have a new level of confidence in their infection control efforts, and patients can too. Find out more at BeSafeDental.com. The concept of the bionic human, the idea that technology can augment our bodies, giving us superhuman strength and abilities, has fascinated us for a long time. TV shows like The Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman were popular back in the 1970s, and today's Iron Man franchise is still a huge hit. Obviously, we haven't reached those levels of advanced technology, but there are men and women today using bionic technology to make them stronger and more mobile with a device called an exoskeleton. It's actually a pretty amazing sensation. You are wearing this, they're called exoskeletons because it's just essentially a skeleton surrounding you or an armor if you want to think about it in a simplistic way. But it is motorized, and so you can control when to go from sit to stand, when to go from stand to walk, when to go from walking to stopping, and then when to sit down again. That's Dr. Alberto Esquinazzi, chief medical officer at Moss Rehab in Philadelphia. He uses exoskeletons at his center, but not to fight the bad guys. Exoskeletons are devices that allow an individual who is paralyzed to be mobile again. So these devices are characterized by having motors, and so there is a power generation in the device, and then there are batteries. And usually they'll be controlled by a computer. At this point, they're intended for people that have their own legs, and you're supplementing their weak or paralyzed limbs. Currently, four manufacturers produce exoskeletons in the United States. And depending on the model, the devices can weigh anywhere between 20 and 50 pounds. But if designed properly, the user doesn't feel the weight or become fatigued or drenched with sweat. Rather, the exoskeleton walks the person who may not have walked in years. These individuals have speeds of walking that approach normal walking speeds, but we're not there yet. That's Dr. Peter Gorman, chief of the Division of Rehabilitation Medicine at the University of Maryland Rehabilitation and Orthopedic Institute and attending physician at the Baltimore VA Medical Center. We estimate that it takes about a speed of 0.4 meters per second, one and a half feet per second, to 
get across the street safely. We are really more looking at most folks walking with these devices at about half that rate right now. But some of the more uh, athletic and adventuresome individuals have uh, started to achieve those rates, and that's really exciting for them. According to the National Spinal Cord Injury Statistical Center, about 275,000 people in the United States live with spinal cord injuries, and about 12,500 new cases occur every year. Most spinal cord injuries are caused by car accidents, followed by accidental falls and gunshot wounds. Every individual that I've come across with a spinal cord injury entertains the idea of wanting to return to upright walking if they could. But realistically, using the older technologies such as long leg bracing or electrical stimulation technologies that have been around for a few decades or the newer exoskeletal robotics does take effort in training and is not as energy efficient as is a wheelchair. But it still is a major step forward. These patients who can stand and look at other individuals in their lives eye to eye instead of always from a seating position can do things that are critical to their lives that require a standing posture. It makes a big difference. However, training with an exoskeleton can be grueling, up to three one-hour sessions a week for three months. And that's just to eventually walk across a room upright, still using crutches for balance. Esquinazi says patients have to be extremely motivated to train with an exoskeleton, but the effort pays off big time. We had a, a patient who was a young woman who had been paralyzed for more than six years as a result of a trauma to her spine, and she actually was able to wear an exoskeleton and for the first time get up and step forward under her own control. So that was pretty amazing and was able to eventually cross a whole room on her own feet assisted by an exoskeleton. And her reaction? One of great emotion, one of huge pleasure and satisfaction. And I'm going to translate what she said, which was one of hope that she would be able to achieve something that was told would never happen which was to walk again. Researchers believe patients may also receive secondary health benefits from using an exoskeleton. Are they more fit? Do they have more endurance? Do their bowels work better? Because that is a major issue with people with spinal cord injury who sit all day, you know, and so forth. So we're all interested in those secondary effects of this type of technology. Getting people out of their wheelchairs is inherently a good thing for skin intactness. Sitting on down all the time puts one at risk for sores. There is some fairly good evidence, if done regularly, that standing will improve bone mineral density, especially if it started early after a spinal cord injury. That's still preliminary, but it is well known that people with spinal injury lose bone strength in their legs. However, not every spinal cord injury patient is a good candidate for an exoskeleton. Of the 12,500 new cases per year, experts say maybe only a quarter of those make good candidates for various reasons. And of that number, perhaps only 1,000 worldwide now use the device on a daily basis. Most patients use the exoskeleton as a therapeutic intervention just a few times a week. They are generally designed to be put on with some practice within 5 or 10 minutes. One has to realize that People with spinal cord injury don't have normal sensation, so that there is always the concern that you don't want to cause any type of sores or skin breakdown because of such a device. Also, certain models have been approved by the FDA for home use and require a caregiver to act as a spotter. 
Then there's the issue of still having to use crutches so your hands aren't free. And the price tag is fairly hefty, around thirty-five dollars to $40,000. But for some, that's a small price to pay to be able to stand again, especially for something as important as your own wedding. Or for their graduation ceremonies or for things that are traditionally done standing. Those are big milestones in a person's life. And if one can participate in those milestones standing up, well, that's a big deal. This technology is continuing to improve. It will be hopefully uh, less expensive as time goes on and therefore more accessible. I see that through research and refinement, they are becoming safer and we are learning a lot about how to train folks with these devices. Probably in the next 10 to 15 years, we'll see full integration of this kind of devices where you won't have to wear an exoskeleton as such. It'll be maybe a fabric clothing piece that you wear that it has fibers that are electronically altered in size, and so they will work as if they were artificial muscles, but it will be just a garment that has this kind of capacity to generate movement. Esquinazi says even now researchers are zeroing in on a truly bionic interface. There are, for example, some experiments being run right now in which people have a direct plug in their brain, and I mean it like that. They have a hole in their head that has a plug and they can connect to a computer and have what's called a computer brain interface that allows them to control either a computer or control a device that may, for example, help them feed themselves or uh, help them hold a phone so they can have a conversation or do other activities that are otherwise impossible for them to do because they have paralyzed arms. We're using as much as we can to create a better quality of life. And I'm confident a few years from now, there will be other researchers and engineers and scientists who will join and make the technology better to a point that in many applications, wheelchairs will be replaced in some applications with these devices. That's Dr. Homeyan Kazaruni, professor of mechanical engineering at the University of California, Berkeley, director of the Berkeley Robotics and Human Engineering Laboratory, and founder and chief scientist at Berkeley Bionics. Kazaruni envisions breakthroughs in virtually every aspect of the technology in coming years, lighter materials, faster sensors, more clever codes, and smaller and longer-lasting batteries. Unfortunately, science fiction writers and movie makers have created a lot of movies like Iron Man, like Aliens, or whatever. There are a lot of robotic devices that are worn by people, and these movies have created an image for people that is really unrealistic. It's always about aggressive motion. It's about war and fight. It's about augmenting physically a person to overcome a war or a sort of um, conflict. You can jump over the buildings. You can go around the world for, you know, 20 seconds and save the girl and fight and kill the other guy. And these are the images that you can see. Kazaruni agrees that these movies are entertaining and fun, but they don't inspire him. He's much more inspired by people who actually need and use this technology for everyday living. People with mobility disorders, elderly. We see children that they are victims of conflict zones. We see people who sort of fall through the crack because they just have some sort of disability. And also we see workers who put their bodies into abuse all day long in construction sites, in manufacturing facilities. So these are the people we want to augment. We want to bring bionics to these people. Bionics is not about Superman. Bionics is not about 
Iron Man. Bionics is not about getting stronger and fight and open the door. Bionics is about creating better quality of life through engineering, through science. One of my dreams is, for example, to see a person with a spinal cord injury can get up on a plane and walk on the aisle of the plane and go to the bathroom easily and come back and sit. That is what I'm looking at. That would be my Iron Man. That would be my superhero. You can learn more about all of our guests and about bionic technology by visiting our website at radiohealthjournal.net. Our writer-producer this week is Polly Hansen. I'm Reed Pence. Medical Notes this week. Cutting back on smoking rather than quitting completely isn't enough to drastically reduce your risk of death. A study in the journal JAMA Internal Medicine finds that people who average less than one cigarette per day are still more than 60% more likely to die early compared to never smokers, and those who smoke between one and 10 cigarettes per day have a nearly 90% higher risk of early death. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says nearly 500,000 Americans die every year as a result of smoking. A lot of people consider taking a low-dose aspirin every day to cut their risk of heart attack and cancer, but many hesitate because of the increased risk of stomach bleeding. Now a study in the journal PLOS1 finds that the stomach risk is worth it. Researchers find that a low dose of aspirin every day cuts both cancer and heart attack risk by 20 to 30 percent. And while stomach bleeds are increased by about half, there's no evidence at all that any of them are fatal. And finally, men who want to protect themselves from dementia may want to jump in the sauna. A 20-year study in the journal Age and Aging shows that men who take a sauna four to seven times a week are 66% less likely to be diagnosed with dementia compared to those who sauna once a week. Researchers say they're not sure why it occurs, though cardiovascular health is also better in people who take more saunas. And that's Medical Notes this week. More in a moment. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.